<laughs> I never get it. Never gets old, man. How's the future doing? I mean, it's bright. I see the, the sun. The future's looking good. The future's <laughs> bright today. It's particularly bright today. So, yeah, no, we're looking good here in the future. How's the uh, past? Listen, how it's still still looking good still looking good okay, you, you know good. you guys are ahead of us so so yeah we, we we're maintaining <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it's good. but 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 here's you know I, I think we can start with just that just briefly the fact that i we always start with this discussion about the future and the past and i have to say it has a value to it for us i mean one of the things that i see is that um you are ahead of us you are alive, life's looking good, and it's good for us to see that and actually and anticipate that and just be looking forward to a good day. I mean, again, you know, it's just a way of a mindset, but that that helps me I, personally, I, mean, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Hurricane, let's get a little bit philosophical about that, all right? Because in a sense, time we know exists, so I'm in the future, you're in the past, but that's just how we set up the world and how time works. The important thing is that we are in this world together at one time trying to get through this crazy thing called life and surviving it, but not only surviving it, but thriving, actually enjoying and being more of our true selves. So in a sense, we all do that together at the same time. We all want to be in this world together and to be able to express ourselves as much as possible. I, I love it. So, so first, first things first. Welcome back again, Doctor. I think, I think, <laughs> you know, I always look forward to this particular day. I mean, it's one of my favorite, you know, uh, nights, and uh, because we do have this live opportunity, and having you on, uh, it's even, you know, uh, the real. You're the highlight. <laughs> so let me just state that. Uh, and 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 the good news is, right now, actually, we are live in almost every social media. So we're on YouTube, we're Instagram, we're on Twitch, we're on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you know, did I forget? LinkedIn. So we're all over the map. And, uh, you know, uh, we have the ability for people to call in. The number is actually on the screen. Uh, I can even get you guys, if you're going to be on the stream with us, we can, you know, give you the link and you can join us if you want. So uh, that's an option. So if someone just chat with us, tell us that you want to go on, I'll send the link on and paste it so you can have an opportunity to join. And again, if you're on Instagram, I'm looking at your screen on the left here. And if you have comments, put them there. And then uh, we'll have a discussion. And again, we have your questions. So again, interact with us. This is your show. This is Climb to Your Prime with the Time, all the way in Australia. It is your time for mental health. Uh, it is a big deal. And this controls this. So so I think I think it's, you know, it's like how this makes this function, this controls this, right? So what do you think of that, doctor? How was that? <laughs> was that accurate? That's good. <laughs> That's fantastic because we are all integrated beings. Oh. Our, <clears throat> our brain controls our stomach, but our stomach uh, influences the brain. And we are all together in this body which moves our brain around so we can interact with each other. Well, let's hear, folks, again, um, North Friday night in the States and probably if you're on the East Coast, you're doing your thing and having fun. But hey, if you have a moment, join us. I mean, in a few parts of the world where it's the morning, well, guess what? Let's start and, and just enjoy uh, the show, ask questions, or at least interact and uh, comment, you know, as you, you possibly do. And chat with us. We'll get your chat, and uh, we will certainly put your chat on the screen, and doctor can answer the question. So uh, yes. that's it. Now, doctor, so I have a first question that, you know, that was actually from the previous, I guess, show. Um, and uh, we have different questions. They're very unique uh, and different, I guess. <laughs> Some of them probably are not redundant, but something that uh, it's important to actually uh, recover. So uh, are we ready, Doc? Yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go. All right. So uh, first things, uh, first question, uh, Doctor, what drives a human will? Are there any studies that address how some humans have such a strong willpower versus some that don't? Okay, Anonymous. Uh, no, no that's, that's actually that's a wonderful, wonderful question, because in one sense we don't know what the will is. In the other, in another sense, we're starting to figure it out because um, psychiatry and psychology spends a lot of time in what we think, in how we feel, and in what we do. So, in a sense, those three things—think, 
feel and do make up our personality, our unique selves and how we interact in the world. However, the question has to do with the will. What is the will? Because the will is more than thinking, it's more than feeling, and it actually motivates and drives us to do. So we know that there are some things in our body that drive us to do certain things, but is that the will? Well, actually, no, it isn't. The will is when you say, I want this, or I want to be this, or I want to achieve this, this is what I want. And the best that the science has at the moment is that the will happens in the orbitofrontal cortex. So I'm in the brain, but I'm in the very front part of the brain, the part that is just above the eyes, just uh, behind your forehead. And in a way, the orbitofrontal cortex leads the whole brain. When you arrive at a party, your orbitofrontal cortex arrives first. Okay, So your orbitofrontal cortex is that part of your brain that <clears throat> it checks out what's happening at the party. It checks out what you're thinking. It checks out what you're feeling. And then it is the place where you decide, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And it then drives the body into action to do something or to say something. Now, part of the mystery is, how do we actually explain what we want? Why are we attracted to certain people? Why are we attracted to certain careers? Why do we want to work in certain areas? We, science doesn't have an answer to that, <clears throat> but we know that it's very real because it's part of our unique motivation. So the will is very important. So part of that question was also, why do some people have a strong will and why do some people have not as strong a will? And the science behind that is we don't know because science in a sense assumes that we are all the same in that we interact with the world and we try to survive our environment. But those unique differences, those things that we know that are very important to all of us, they're in our DNA somehow, but how they translate into our brain to saying, I want this, whereas somebody else wants that, that's the uniqueness. That's where we're individuals. That's where what we choose and what we intend becomes so important to how we lead life. So that's that's the start of how to get there, Hurricane. Well, thank you, Doc. And so just listen to you. So it sounds like we all have the ability to actually push and, and make the difference. I mean, there is a saying that says, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, I strongly yeah. believe in that personally, and I, I apply that. So as long as you're yeah. willing, you can do. But but again, so it is a decision, you know, or I guess it's, I don't know, if it, is it subconscious? Is it conscious, you know, where you actually literally... I guess it's more conscious. It's an action. You have to do something about it. You know, it's just not automatic, right? I mean, Doc, what do you think of that? What, what's your, right. I guess, okay, response so, to All right. So in the last 20 years, we've been discovering uh, how decisions get made. And that very question that you asked, is it conscious or subconscious or unconscious? It's a bit controversial what we found, all right? Because we believe that we make decisions consciously. I get the information, I understand the information, and then I make a decision. What the science has actually shown is that when you make a decision, your subconscious mind, or okay, uh, when a thought arises, the subconscious mind has already had that thought several seconds before you actually think about it consciously. And so people think, oh, okay, that means it's all subconscious. Well, that's not quite true either because each of us is a pattern, a framework, a structure. In other words, our body is going to do the same thing today as it did yesterday. There's something that's predictable in all of us because that's Christian or that's hurricane or that's whoever it is. There's an enduring pattern. We don't wake up and rediscover ourselves every day. We pick up where we left off. So in a sense, our mind, our decision-making is driven by patterns that we've already established our beliefs and our perceptions right from our childhood beforehand. Here's the difference between the unconscious and the conscious. If you are driven by your unconscious, so you allow your patterns to take over, you'll be doing things the same way, sometimes the same annoying way that you've been taught to do things in your childhood, all right? And you go, damn, that's a bad habit. To be able to change that, you have to bring it up into the conscious mind to say, all right, now I have a tendency to say certain things in the same way. I want to actually change that. 
And that takes conscious work. That says, mm. okay, in this situation, somebody's asked me that question. I'm not just going to say whatever. I'm actually going to think about it and give them an answer of what I want at that time. So you're battling against a pattern that's in your subconscious, but your conscious mind can actually do it. So let me explain it with, um, let's say, a sport. Let's say soccer. Well, let's go back to soccer, all right? <laughs> that if you kick the ball in a certain way, it just veers off your foot the way that you don't want it to. You actually have to consciously practice and practice and practice with a ball and the angle of your foot to change the angle of your foot just a little bit to get the ball going exactly where you want it to. That's a lot of conscious hard work and you repeat it until it becomes part of your subconscious, till your brain says, foot, I just want you to get the ball over there and foot then knows what to do, okay? Same thing with practicing piano, a little change. Same thing with the way that you answer people that ask you a question. If you're sick of saying, oh, I'll just do whatever you want, right? You consciously have to go, oh, hold on, I am now gonna tell you what I really want. Okay, and you consciously have to make that and repeat it and repeat it. And in a few months, I'm sorry, it's that much work. You can go to, no, I'm not going to say whatever. This is really what I want you to do at this stage. Well, doctor, thank you so much. And again, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm listening to you and, and we do have power. And yes. it's, it's amazing that we have to tap into that and, and be conscious about it. I mean, that's the thing. The the differentiator between someone who has that strong will apparently and someone who doesn't is the yes. ability to kind of tap into that mind and really consciously like say, no, I got to do something about it and take the action as opposed to just being behind the scene and just kind of keeping quiet. Now, again, the outcomes, I think, will vary based on that particular opportunity or that particular drive that you will, you will you know, have. <laughs> And so, yeah. so you know, again, for folks that are watching and listening, uh, that's a big deal. And, and doctor, I mean, you broke it down. Uh, please go ahead. I think you wanted to say something. Now, so the easiest analogy is driving a car. All right. We may complain that we don't like the car that we're in, so our body and our brain. But it's the decisions that are made by you, the driver. That is the will. Where am I going to turn my car? Am I going to turn to the left or to the right? Am I going to say, uh, yes to another drink or no to another drink? Am I going to say yes to a relationship to this person or no to a relationship to this person? Every decision we make takes energy. And the problem is making decisions with your will takes energy. Uh, whereas it's much easier to go whatever and just go to a pattern where you abdicate responsibility and just do what you feel like, all right? But the consequences may be good or bad depending on the uh, decision you have to make. And this is where Will comes in. Well, thank you. And again, I believe that strong will is this is live, I guess. Uh, uh, if someone which is, you know, okay, uh, what what would you tell those folks? I mean, is there a uh, an opportunity there for them to actually shift? Uh, yes, the opportunity to shift is to consciously use your will. So in other words, make decisions, actually ask yourself, what do I want? Uh, and to, to then think about that. And when you do that, you're using your orbitofrontal cortex. You're using that part of your brain that looks at what you think, looks at what you feel, looks at the environment and says, this is the choice that I am going to make. I intend to do that. Now, we're slowing down a really fast process in the brain, but it's a process that takes a lot of energy. To consciously decide takes a lot of energy, but I'm encouraging people to use that energy because when you make those decisions, you get more of what you want, you communicate clearly with the people around you, and you end up with less regrets. All right, when you're making the decisions that you want. And as long as your decisions are in line with your values and your beliefs and what you want in the world, then you're actually driving your own car through your life just that little bit better. I love that, Doc. I mean, again, it, you live better. I, I think that's, that's <laughs> I think we all want to live and enjoy and thrive. And so, so hopefully, 
today's question uh, is probably going to be a good answer and response for a lot of folks, not just uh, whoever sent the actual uh, uh, question to us here. But I think we all can benefit from this particular advice and uh, this breakdown of what that means to us and how we can put into practice in real life and what that means to us in just, you know, the environment that we live in and whoever is around us. I think at the end of the day, our actions also interact with everybody around us and literally impact everyone around us. So yes. if we tap into this, we probably can be better humans, better husbands, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, wives, uh, friends, sons, and whoever. I mean, we can be better members of society as a whole. So I think uh, it is just yes. uh, something that we can drive on. Yes, yes. And this is one of those questions which actually show the benefit of science because uh, humans have asked this question for hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of years. When do I use my will? How do I make myself effective? And actually, uh, this question about the will was art articulated in the philosophy of David Hume in the 18th century. And what we're finding is that he came up with this same answer. And now, 350 years after he articulated it, the science is showing that he's right. This is how our minds work and we can make decisions and we are driven by our passions, as he called it, and our thoughts, but also motivated by our will, what he called uh, conation. So that driving, that desire. So desire is very important. It's part of who we are as unique individuals. So keep your desire keep your intentions and keep your beliefs and your values. And one of the things that I go back to a lot, Hurricane, is to know what your values are. If you know what you value in life, then you've got kind of a template to help you drive your car through life. Well, doctor, thank you so much. I mean, I think we've spent a great uh, deal of time on this. And just uh, for yeah, folks yeah. To watch it, we'll right yeah. please. No, 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 no. It's, 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 listen, we can spend an hour on this. It's, it's, it, I love it. And frankly, I think part of what we do in life does require some level of consciousness about our will and ability to do yes. things. And if we don't, yes. uh, I mean, we're just not going to be thriving in life and maybe it could yeah. be detrimental to our health, to, to our stress level, God forbid, even cause, you know, more problems for us and including, you know, suicidal thoughts and things that we've covered in, in, in previous, you know, shows. So yeah. I think uh, it's, it's a big component of who we are and our makeup. So thank you so much, doctor, for making that up. Uh, so again, Jeremy Mother, we're out live. Please chat with us. Uh, call us if you want. The number is on the screen, 732-332-8493. We're on Instagram. So I'm monitoring all the screens behind me here around me. So just, just bear with me. See my head turning like this. I'm just looking at different comments and things. Uh, and uh, if you want to go on the stream with us, uh, doctor, I hope you don't mind. Someone can join us. Uh, we can uh, bring them on. If they're decent with us, you know, they'll stay on. If not, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll kick them out. But we want people to interact with us. This is not about us. This is about everyone uh, benefiting from this discussion and really from Dr. Wisdom and expertise in, in, in this key and just behavior. I mean, this is something that Dr. Han does. For living and he's helping people day in day out to to be better and live better and become better members of this this global village we call earth so <laughs> all right so uh my second question um so uh what is this psychological explanation for anger and what measures are there to help someone with anger issues i think it's something that we've covered in the past but you know uh, nevertheless uh it is from john so doctor Okay, so hurricane anger. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, anger is one of those uh, primary emotions that we all actually experience because uh, it has to do with our very survival. Uh, so primary emotions are things like anger, fear, pleasure, pain. Okay, and a sense of fulfillment because when we get our goals fulfilled, then uh, we like to call that happiness, but it's, it's not quite. There's a kind of a satisfaction that comes with moving forward. Anger, however, is something that's tied up with uh, our very survival. So the experience of anger happens in the limbic system, which is part of our driver of emotions. And one particular part of the limbic system is called the amygdala. 
Now, the amygdala takes care of primary emotions such as uh, hunger. So when you're hungry, it'll help you find food. First, it'll help you find water. Uh, it also helps you find sexual expression, but it also drives fear and anger. So fear and anger are related in that fear is a response. It is you get worked up very quickly, but in fear, you tend to draw away from whatever is causing you the fear. Okay. In anger, you tend to draw towards whatever is causing the injustice. So in other words, if you look at what we call the fight and the flight response, fear will drive the flight of that fight or flight response, whereas anger, the experience of, no, I'm going to go and fight. So this is why all of us are, in a sense, afraid of our own anger, because in our anger, we can actually hurt somebody, right? But here's the thing. If you can use your anger consciously and be aware that I am angry at the moment, then you can make decisions. So we're going back to the first question as well, the importance of making decisions. If somebody has a real problem with anger such that if they are fired up, they will lash out towards somebody, then in my clinical experience, what I've done is put in a plan for that person to move out of that situation because nobody actually wants to do damage. Uh, okay, I can't quite say no one, but most people don't want to do damage when they're angry. So the plan may be if you get angry and you can notice consciously that your anger is going to eight out of 10, eight and a half out of 10, nine out of 10. So the plan is to turn in the other direction and walk away or in some cases run away. Okay. Now, there is a positive aspect to anger, and that is determination. In a sense, to mm. climb a mountain, to achieve anything, like to build a bridge or to get anything done, you've got to say, right, I have to do this. And the feeling of determination has the same quality as anger, but it's not as out of control, and it is focused on getting something done. So if you can consciously look at your anger to say, right, what am I angry about? I am angry about an injustice in the world. All right. How can I use that constructively to do something? This is what I can do. I can say this. I can post this. I can do this. I can clean up this mess. And in cleaning up some mess, you are using anger as a force for determination so that you can get something done because it takes a little bit of anger to get something worthwhile done in this life. So anger is not bad. It is bad if it is uncontrolled. But if you can see that you are angry about something and you want to make a difference in this world, you use it for determination. <laughs> Doctor, I'm sorry. You know, this is the first time I heard literally the concept of anger in a positive way because <laughs> everybody is thinking anger is like when you go like nuts and you go just like you yeah know, that's right off that's right. The, you know but I, I love you know you see and that's that's again this is amazing and and i'm enjoying this as part of being not only on the show with you but also just listening to you and and understanding these dynamics you know you kind of reflect on them and they make sense uh because we tend to believe that anger is always you know this this tend you know tension you know going on tangent going crazy going like you know just like bananas but but yeah. you're right there is a level of that you know drive and and you need to have some emotion about it and therefore you know it's that but but we don't relate that to to the concept of anger uh, typically and that's not something that I would have thought about personally and not probably at most people watching right now listening to be like <laughs> but 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 it's amazing i mean it's you are the expert and you understand you know how we function from the mind aspect of it and this is great for us to know where that is and how it plays in our you know life so thank you doc okay so I'll, I'll use two examples hurricane one is a global example and one will be a personal example all right so the global example is a war that's going on between Russia and the Ukraine at the moment, all right? When, when mm -hmm. one country becomes a bully, that evokes an anger response in people all around the world. And what then can be done is through determination, you say, okay, we need a response. We can't let this go on. 
And so the world is struggling to find out what the right response is, but it's anger that's driving the idea that this war needs to stop. Just like the Second World War actually came because people were angry that somebody like Hitler would try to impose his ideas on the world. So the anger response was, we have to fight about this. We are determined to make sure that the right thing happens in the world. That is an anger response, but it was focused and directed. Now I'm going to go to a little war that happens between two people that are in a long-term relationship, right? If somebody feels angry, if, if your partner makes you feel angry, you've got to go, well, why do I feel angry here? Uh, and the thing is that it'll come down to some sort of an injustice. There's, there's a habit or a way of talking or a way of acting that goes, you know what, that's not fair. And if you let that go on, you can let it build and build and build. And that's when people explode in anger. And unfortunately, our movies let us see the explosion because it makes for good cinema. All right. However, in a real relationship, it's actually better to be assertive, to be able to say, you know what? I feel angry when you say that to me or when you keep putting me down in front of friends, that makes me feel angry. That's not fair. So you assertively say how you feel. You say what you mean and you mean what you say. And then you have a smaller confrontation now rather than a bigger confrontation in the future because people tend not to change their behavior without some small confrontation. And that's why assertive is like a little anger. It's not getting explosive or aggressive, but just assertive to let somebody know how you actually feel. It's the same thing as dealing with global wars. Well, that, that give, thank you for, for, for really clarifying that because I mean, it, it, you know, again, listening to you, it, it's amazing. Like, you know, you have one, one concept and you hear something and then it just changes the dynamics about how you think about things. But, but the fact is you're right. I mean, we all carry stuff if we don't face you know, whoever and have that assertive discussion and just kind of pin in the butt as they say right away uh, it yeah. just keeps keeps your emotions rolling and just rallying in there and just getting more and more tense and then to your point it's like you get calm 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 and eventually you're gonna explode and boom it's over and then the yeah. reaction is going to be negative as opposed to if you you do that and to your point if if you're able to to get out of the system right away and confront it and you know kind of dissipate it and at least eliminate whatever that conflict is you're done you can move on because again we carry that stuff this happens and i think this is going to relate yeah. to the next the next question that i have here but the fact of the matter is we relate to this in our lives you know we all meet people uh, circumstances situations and then we don't get to kind of get out of our system and then it just stays with you and then you take it on your friends your family and other people that you might not be and then eventually you're you're talking about anger again <laughs> it's going to come out in that explosive mode and it's not a cool thing so uh you know thank you so much for again i love it i mean i'm just i'm excited i'm excited <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah yeah hope that... yeah and, ahead, and the one the, the point that i want to make is um unfortunately watching anger explosions makes for good entertainment but unfortunately, it, it almost seems to give the message that this is the way life is supposed to be, right? Whereas um, in my clinical practice, I encourage people to be assertive and express themselves before you reach that explosive anger point so that you can actually work on these things. The trouble is, Hurricane, none of us like conflict and none of us do conflict well. That's why we're still in the ridiculous situation of having wars in the world. It's a ridiculous way to handle conflict, but we haven't figured it out because conflict is always with us. Sadly. And and, and it's amazing because you, what you said is very true. When you watch, you know, I guess movies and stuff, entertainment, uh, it's carnage. It's the more the better. I mean, so, you know, as they say in the media world, if it leads, if it, it bleeds, it leads. I think so. The more the merrier for the excitement. But but in reality, I think that's that's really the bad way of looking at it. I, I love right. what you said about if we can we can be assertive about it just kind of get it you know out of system and we'll be better but but we don't practice that and so and maybe because yeah. we're not conscious about it i think that's that's the other part i mean someone who's watching the show today is probably going huh that's a good way to deal with it and and that's yeah. the other thing we don't have guidance in how we deal with these things we kind of wing things most of the time i mean yeah. not everybody has the ability to actually for example see a doctor and and yeah. talk and that's the other thing like you know i love this particular show specifically is because 
we get to share stuff that we might not necessarily have the ability to ask someone that has expertise. Like you ask a lot of experts for different things, for business, for finance, for accounting, for life stuff. But we don't ask about the most important thing about how we can function better. And, yeah. and again, and everybody has this taboo about reaching out to a psychiatrist or, you know, a yeah. doctor or, you know, because of the historical event of like, oh, my God, that is like, you know, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> Something's yeah. wrong with you. And, and here we have the ability to actually get your, the feedback from you and help us maybe do better. Uh, and ultimately, again, it's, it's, this is all for our mental health and getting us yeah. to the next level and higher, I guess, level of being. So thank you. Yeah, that, no, that's right. So I want, I want to boil down assertiveness just to one basic message. And the message is tell them how you feel. So if you're in a close relationship, sometimes you got to say, I'm angry. And your partner may say, well, why are you angry? And you know what? Sometimes we don't know. And sometimes it's all right to say, I don't know why I'm angry, but I just want to let you know I'm angry at the moment. I mean, I'm a psychiatrist and sometimes it takes me days to work out why I was really angry. And then you sort of come back to it. But when you let somebody know what your feelings are, particularly people who are close in your life, so your spouse, a child or a parent, you're actually giving them the privilege of being close to you, being in your mind, sharing your feelings with them. So even if it's a negative feeling, it's still a privilege to share that. And then they can go, oh, okay, Christian's a little bit touchy today. All right. Uh, how can I help with that? What do I need to do? But you feel closer to the person just by sharing your feelings. So the, the message for assertiveness is say it. I am angry. I am happy. I am joyful. I'm annoyed. Whatever it is, just say it. Yeah, doctor, I, I I find it hard to believe that you actually can go angry. <laughs> I don't okay, think it's in you. I can get angry. Okay. <laughs> we well, all can. I, I, it's a human, I guess it's part of human, you know, uh, nature, right. and and it's just how you control it and that. And again, but but that's that in itself. I, again, admitting to oneself, you know, that we are capable of good and bad, and then we are facing that within ourselves. I mean, that's the, the other part. None of us kind of like we always kind of give the buck to the other side, right? We don't keep it, yeah. you know, we don't take the ownership of things. And I think that's really the problem. But to your point, if I don't feel right, I can come to you and talk about it, but it has to be in decent format. It cannot be aggressive. It can be assertive, but firm right. and, but, but respectful. I think that's, that's the, the differentiated. Otherwise it just going to get out of hand and then you're just going to blow sooner than later, <laughs> you know, things. And that's not good. All right. Wow. Well, thank you, doc. And so I think that's going to link into the next question. Um, so, uh, the next question is, some people enjoy power trips when given authority and position of power. Is that a personality trait or it is a natural process? How can someone control that urge and keep humble? Uh, it's not oh, Janet, okay. New York City. Sorry. Sorry, who's that from New York City? Janet, New York City. Janet, okay. So, so firstly, I have to say thank you to Janet because that's very real, that uh, people can go on power trips when they're in positions of power. And... Unfortunately, sometimes we'd like to think that the world is full of good people and bad people, and the good people would never go on power trips, and it's the bad people that we've got to keep out from uh, powerful situations. Unfortunately, Janet, the thing is that uh, the line between good and evil is drawn in the heart of every person, and that's Solzhenitsyn. So in other words, we all have a tendency to be good or, let's say, bad. Okay, And the thing is that as we get power, unfortunately, what does happen is power does corrupt people. It does lead us into evil. And so if we take just two people who got into uh, the place of power, right, and we're talking about Hitler and we're talking about Gandhi, they both ended up in very powerful positions. They were leading very powerful nations. And Gandhi had to work very, very hard to make sure that his position of power didn't lead him into a place where he was taking power trips over other people. He said, I have this power. How can I use it to achieve something worthwhile? And he did. He achieved something worthwhile through that. And he's probably one of the very few people in history that did use it to achieve something worthwhile. Hitler, of course, is our other example. He was put into a position of power. He got more and more power and he used it for his own personal gain and his own personal ideas, which we knew 
dragged us in the wrong direction. And unfortunately, Hurricane, for all of us, if you or Janet or I get in positions of power, and to get into a position of power, you just have to have a job that has a bit of a managerial component to it, or you just need to be an older brother or sister to somebody else. There are numerous ways that we all get into little bits of power and you'll find ourselves having to make this decision. How am I going to use this little bit of power? Am I going to use it to control other people or can I use it for compassion and to use it to make a difference for the good of other people? So, Janet, we can all become Hitler's or Gandhi's and the decision in our orbital frontal cortex, as we spoke about earlier, uh, is up to us, so our intentions are important, and we have to keep ourselves in check. Well, thank you, Doc. And and, and so, just I mean, this is a topic that I, you know, I'd like to just, you know, uh, I guess uh, give some some opinion on. Uh, I I have to say, I'm, I've actually experienced both sides of it. I mean, I've you know been in a position of authority in my career path, and also have worked with people with authority. And uh, it is a very delicate balance to actually become, you know, in a position of, of power, authority, where you have control and you have a lot of things that you can do, but, but you know, being able to be humble with it and still deliver, you know, be, again, assertive, firm and everything, get things done without, you know, being condescending and hurting people and, and, and doing bad. You, know, you have to care for people at the same time. And, and I think, unfortunately, you said it best. You said there are a lot of Hitlers, a lot of Gandhis, but the problem is, I think, for me personally, I think there's more of the Hitler and the Gandhis in this world, and a sad, sad is sound, because a lot of people get easily uh, the the. I mean, it's like a drug when you have authority and power, and yeah. it can very easily get into you. And a lot of people, when they first get that next grade or rank in anything, they become that like, oh, I got this now, I I got control, I own the world, and unfortunately, that's not reality. And you know, and, and as much as you think you have that, that authority can be taken from you any given day. And you have to always think about that. And also, you have to think about the ramifications and the impact that you might have on somebody's livelihood, somebody's, I guess, just psyche. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you exercise the authority in the wrong way, you're going to affect a lot of people. And, uh, and that, that always yeah. happens. And some people, yeah. they think that literally because they have a position or a seat at a table or some some level of, of hierarchy, they just think that they can do whatever and they just the world owes, owes them. Uh, and I'm not even talking about politics and government. I'm talking about just in corporate world or, or like yes. you said, you could be just a big brother. But yes. but it's it's a big deal. A lot of people tend to immediately, you can see them in, in stores, you can see them in businesses, you know, you can see them like, you know, I'm just, I'm the boss, you know, and then you, they, they claim that, that that rank and that authority because they they walk like, you know, just like you know, out of this world, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, it's, it's sad to see that. I mean, you can be at a higher position. doesn't mean that you can still, I, I've actually met some, great CEOs and, and hierarchies where you, you you can't even tell that they're actually in that position. I mean, they are. Yes. That's the other thing. Yes. The, the right the right leader and the right authority will be in the, you will respect them for the authority without them having to show you that they're in authority. That's the, that's the difference. Yes. The other ones will make all the, the, pos, the possibilities and, and, and all the shots to show you that they actually are in charge. I think that's a big, big problem that we do face. And I, but, but I think the problem that we have is like how, I guess my question is like, where does that come from? I mean, you know, it, there's got to yeah. be a motivator or driver behind it. Okay. Okay. So uh, th this takes us right back to what is science all about? Because science mm. uh, answers questions of how things are. It doesn't answer the question of how things should be. So, so we can actually uh, look at how uh, hierarchy structures uh, occur in society and how when people get to the top of that uh, hierarchy structure that they can misuse their power. But the question as to, well, shouldn't we all be Gandhis? Wouldn't it be nice? How do we actually do that? Um, science doesn't have an answer for that. But the recent research on the orbitofrontal cortex that shows that our choices are actually real and that we are all at every time choosing between becoming little Hitlers or little Gandhis is actually real. And so all that I can do there, and this is not scientific, but I can encourage everybody to make the choices that lead to a better life for you and for other people. And that actually is a choice towards doing things that are worthwhile and good. And to do that, and we do have science behind that, we need to be in a society that values good things.
And so the science of values and what it means to value good things uh, is gaining more and more momentum. And so a lot of the psychological tools that I use are based now more on values. If you value compassion, if you value, value cooperation, if you value reaching out to other people, then you will make that choice more and more. And unfortunately, in our entertainment world, we like exploring the mind of psychopaths uh, from Dexter to Hitler. And the more we explore that, the more we start to value it, first out of entertainment, but then it becomes, unfortunately, a model for something that we tend to choose. So as well as entertainment uh, based on psychopaths, I would choose entertainment based on innocence, joy, and compassion, wherever you find those things, because they will actually shape your intentional choices towards doing more good in the world. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm going to add a couple of things to that. I mean, yeah. I think, I think we, we all live with the concept is like, do unto others what you, you don't, you want to be done to you. I mean, I think that's yeah. a big, you know, I think it's, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it's part of the religion concept, but, but we all kind of apply that and it's the yeah. right thing to do. At least we, we think we know what that is and we certainly don't want to be treated wrong. So we, we have to dish out the right way. Otherwise it gets back to you the wrong way. And that leads me yeah. to the, 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 the K word karma <laughs> or what goes around comes around, you know, and, and, it, and yeah. it trickles back that justice is bad. You know, and then sometimes it could be very, you know, Ooh, what the hell just happened? Well, did you do something wrong? Maybe this is your time. So again, we have to be mindful yeah. of that, but we, we don't have that usually when you start in this position of authority. It comes with, with, with time and exp yeah. experience, and then you start seeing it going around. Yeah, but, but um, <clears throat> there's a bit of hope in the science because I'm, I'm going back to psychological studies from the 1980s, but they actually did studies to see now if everything is equal, all right, if you get just as much money by doing good or bad, or you get just as much fame or pleasure or kudos from other people, if everything was actually equal, humans tend to choose the good. We don't know why, but there is something in the human spirit that almost innately thinks that it's better to do good than bad. Now, I will actually go as a doctor to Albert Schweitzer's idea of reverence for life so that it's basically in an emergency department, Things that lead to people getting better, recovering and staying alive, they're good. Things that lead to illness, suffering and death, they're bad. And I agree with that. And I base a lot of the what I do in life on those really basic concepts. And I think that in our survival as humans, we just know that it's better to be alive than not to be alive. And we actually know that if we do things to help each other to thrive and survive, that means all of us can actually survive life longer together. So I think it's actually inbuilt in our survival mechanism to do good. The question is that there are a lot of people who say, well, how much bad can I actually get away with? How much more <laughs> selfish can I be in this situation? But it's only until they can get away with it. And other species will actually take down leaders that are too much of a bully. Just like if, if there's a bully like Putin around or like uh, Hitler, the rest of us will get together and say, we can't let this go on. We've got to take them down. There's too much bad in the world. We'd all actually rather have it good. So that's a bit of hope in the science. I, I, I actually, I said, I did this because it yes. does feel right. I, I have yes. to say it's yes, you know, yes. I, at least, at least, at least it's, it's, it's a good, nice light, you know, that we do. I love it because if we believe that there is good, I think we can do more of it. And I love the example that he said, if it's going to lead to bad, you know, that stuff, you can avoid that. And so, you know, what leads to good and bad. So we can make those decisions consciously. I think what the problem is that, especially in the world of leadership and or corporate, whatever, it's all about more money. Or sometimes it's just the driver's behind it. It's more money, more authority, yeah. more ability to do things with, with no consequences because you have the ultimate power. You know, you can do whatever you want and get away with it, as you said. But 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 somebody's gonna stop you, and there's always someone that will stop you because that's the other part. There are people that want to do good, and they have the good drive, and they they just seek justice. They always are there for justice, for the good, to defend you know 
the weaker or whatever the oppressed or whatever the case may be and I, and i think that's the balance in this life i think uh, when i mentioned that there's probably more hitlers than than gandhis in terms of uh, some of the positions and authority but i do believe also that there's more good than bad in terms of human nature it just the application of it i think is where the challenge is and whether people are choosing one or this is the other but but i think the the funny part is that everybody knows this everybody knows that bad things can happen to them and they don't want that and so so yes. i think if you use just that rule <laughs> the rest is simple to understand that if you feel that way for yourself why can't you not agree that other people should not have you know the same problem and if you did it that way you should be fine but but sometimes like i really like i i think about it deep i'm like why would people behave this way like why are they not caring and you will see it in policy you see it in a lot of things sometimes again I, you know i've been in position of leadership for for over 25 years and sometimes i am you know and as sad as it sounds you know i had you know a position where you have for example to terminate someone and it's not because i want to do it and i don't feel good that's the probably the worst part of my job in my career path is when you have to do that and it happened to me too so i understand that the problem is like you, you're into a set of circumstances again we talk about government rules and this and that there are rules that may not be you can find a law a rule but it's not really justice and unfortunately you're stuck in the middle and you have to make a decision yes. sometimes people do have you know agreements that they have to fulfill and if they don't i mean there's you again talking about assertive and firm and you have to do the right thing and the job based on those circumstances i mean obviously we don't have to agree about laws but we have to abide by them for the most part right so, yes something like, yes. but but the decision part of it becomes very difficult and i've had circumstances where i have for example to do that and then believe it or not i've rehired some of these these folks and i've actually helped people to get other jobs so yeah. you try to do the best within the circumstances and it doesn't make you a bad or good you know and that's the other thing it's not really uh, you and and people normally would know that and and it's also by your behavior and how you care about people i think the best leaders doesn't matter what level or what what, what you're leading you know uh, in family government business you will probably get more followers more people that will trust you more people to do more for you if you were a better leader and not really into a power trip and that's just my personal opinion and 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 it works i've actually tried that personally and i just got better results from it and so uh, i think as an advice anybody you know if you get into into authority just know that they may not always be there and if you want to maintain it you need to make sure you take care of your people and they'll take care of you and that's the bottom line and so don't think that you're better than them don't think anything i always refer to this as for example i'm just a hiking i mean a high ranking officer and and that's based on expertise and experience and time not nothing else but we still are the same and as long as you believe in that and you believe that we're still humans we still have to work for ourselves i also believe that for example in the workplace i don't work for any company i work for me for my yeah. family and it doesn't matter what my role is yeah. that's still my thing the the company i work for is just the opportunity that's given to create some revenue right but really yeah. you know that doesn't give me the authority to be you know condescending to people and treating mistreating yeah. people and so on and so forth and it's important to realize that but sometimes you don't see that and some people take advantage yeah. of that yeah that's right and uh, hurricane you talked about caring so much and that's what's important because in a, in a religious sense yes. it's take care of people the way that you would like to be taken care of in a scientific sense it's you know what if you die and i die that's pretty bad so can we help each other to survive and thrive to stay alive together mm. that's that's a big thing and and <laughs> you know I, I, that might get us into the concept of being selfish i don't know cuz unfortunately some people are always like me 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 and it is a difficult <laughs> valid when you know i i love it i mean i would love to see that where people actually really in unity there's their strength it's a concept that we know but ap applying yeah. that concept i think is a hard part and it's usually i come first and I think the best people they don't come first they actually take care of others before they take care of themselves and while not hurting themselves in the same place I'll, ultimately if you're going to be to detrimental to your life what whatever you know some people actually walk away from situations even if it means their job whatever because it's the right thing to do and again yeah. the right thing to do is something we can all agree on it doesn't matter what it is we all know what's good and what's bad what's right and what's wrong uh okay it's okay, natural so, to so, understand that so so if i can expand on that for a sec because in a way you've just yeah. reached the core as to why people go on power trips and start bullying other people uh because we've been talking about um good and bad 
But uh, scientifically, a better way of looking at it is selfishness and altruism. And the thing is that we have innate selfishness because our brains organize the whole universe around ourselves because we all have to have a representation of all of the universe in our brains. And so that makes us naturally selfish. However, we find that altruism is what helps us to survive together. Now, uh, scientifically, they've articulated three different types of altruism. Kin altruism, where you take care of somebody because they are your family and you feel that they are close to you genetically. Then there's what's called uh, reciprocity altruism. And that's our society where if I pay you money, you can give me that and then you can pay somebody else money, you will get something else. So it's I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And that's how our whole economy works. And it's good and it needs trust behind it to be able to do it. But then there's something else called empathy altruism where people, heroes like firefighters, police people, soldiers will actually give their lives for somebody else and not expect any return. And the question is, why do we do that? And the answer is because there is something about all of us that knows that we are in this together. And there's something about your life that is just as valuable as my life. And we applaud these people as heroes because they are. It's something very noble that goes right down to the depth of who we are as humans. And we like to think that we're all individuals here on Earth, but we're actually not. We actually care about each other, Hurricane. And if we were to spend more time with each other and hear each other's stories, then we would actually care more and be more altruistic and choose altruism over selfishness. Love it. Well, folks, hey, hey, listen, th this is something that we do. So, again, if you're watching and listening, we have control over this. We can actually see it. We can feel it. We can engage with it. And we can certainly make a difference. Yeah. I think really that's what we're here for is just to to highlight these concepts and bring them up. Because, I mean, there might be somewhere that we know of, but uh, out of sight of the mind, I think the more we hear things, the more it, it affirms what, what, what we need in our convictions and, and actions and behavior can change. So, so thank you so much for that. So we have few more minutes you know i i do have a, a double question it might take a little longer so i'm not sure how your time is uh i know we're booked for the hour but um would you like me to go for the question we can do partial answer and we can come back next one all right go for it hurricane. all right so 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 actually this question is funny because i i had a show a couple of weeks ago about uh, a particular uh, situation and uh, it was about bipolar so someone apparently watched the show so uh the question says i watch your show about dealing with bipolar disorder and i would like uh first dr Ham to expand on this diagnosis and its impact on life and also what is double personality or define uh, uh what is double personality and how can someone identify if they suffer from it david okay thank you for your question david uh hurricane i think we've got time just to look at the bipolar uh, because that's okay. huge in itself. Uh, bipolar uh, affective disorder used to be called manic depressive uh, illness, where people have um, lows that are very low. So in other words, they don't just get sad, they get depressed, very depressed and suicidal. And they get highs just like everybody gets happy or joyful, but their highs are more than that. They uh, lose control. They can get uh, very euphoric not know what they're doing, think that everybody's great, or alternatively, they can get very angry and uh, and actually uh, start attacking people. And the thing is that it's not a it's not a state that they're in control of. It is something I will say biological because bipolar disorder is our most biological illness. The, it's got the most chance of hereditary. Now, it's 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 not huge if you have a father or a mother that has a bipolar illness, your chance of inheriting that is about 14%, right? So it's not huge, which means that there's something else going on, but there is this genetic predisposition to having higher highs and lower lows. So I'll actually say that this illness is also associated with people who are more creative, musicians, uh, painters, sculptors, poets, uh, so I can uh, name Ernest Hemingway, uh, Jackson Pollock, 
uh, Robert Schumann as people who suffered from a bipolar disorder. And creative people tend to have more of an emotional range. So you can see that that's just one step away from having a bipolar illness. So, however, there's lots of different bipolar. Um, a lot of people have just a bit of an extended range, where some people have a really um, extended range, so much so that they need to be hospitalized often. Now, one of the great things about science is there's a certain medication that I use a lot of, and it's called lithium. And lithium has saved many, many lives. Uh, because bipolar tends to come out in people in their 20s. And lithium, what it does is lithium is a salt and it works at the, the neuron uh, synapse so that brain chemicals, that uh, brain synapses, so nerves that fire very quickly, uh, tend not to fire that quickly because they have lithium as part of their system so that it'll fire only a little bit, which means that these excited states of highs are not as high as they used to be. And lithium saves lives. The other thing that saves lives with if you have a bipolar disorder is being able to stay away from substances like alcohol, which will bring you down, or amphetamines, which will bring you up. Or... LSD, which will give you um, uh, unreal states, or cannabis, which again will chill you out but make you down. Because a lot of people with bipolar have this horrible association with substances because they sometimes use substances to try to control their states, but it actually makes things worse. So my message to people who are struggling with bipolar or extended emotional ranges that they cannot control is to find a trusted doctor and psychiatrist because medications can work very, very well for you. So that's a small snapshot of uh, bipolar, but it's a big topic, Hurricane, and it's a very complex topic. So I, I can, we can certainly just table a little bit and, and I'm going to yeah. restart in the next show with, with the same topic because there, I do have kind of co comeback questions or at least, you know, comments. Uh, one of them is just that, you know, for the lithium, because the, the person I had, the, 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 my guest, you know, had personally suffered through this and yeah. um, he was on lithium for like 25 years. But apparently yeah. there was some aftermath, there was some, I guess, side effect to it. And side so uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so that, that so so maybe we can talk about some of that. And then the other yeah. one is just the idea of like how, I mean, you kind of define it for us. I mean, clearly, but but people sometimes how would they even? And we'll we'll table this to the next one. But how will people kind of figure out that I am bipolar? I mean, I mean, before they they see someone who's a specialist, you know, they have to almost self-identify first before yes, then right. they have to be willing to go. And see that's someone. Right. I think that's the other part, which is usually difficult for people to make uh, that decision that's to right. see someone or seek so, that. So I, I will answer that now because that's actually very important. Uh, and the answer has to do with is your life functioning? If if you can get to a job every day, if your relationships with your close people are all intact, and you're not um, going to extremes on the weekend in your pleasure seeking, and your life is humming along then by definition, you don't have a bipolar disorder because it, the, there is something tricky about psychiatry. Uh, there's normal, and we don't know what normal is. How far do you go out from normal until you get to, okay, so this is a variation, but it's when you stop functioning that you sort of go, okay, this is a problem. This is a problem that needs to be fixed. If it's not a problem that doesn't need to be fixed, then you don't need to fix it. But if it's a problem for your life, it needs fixing. So it's got to do with function. Am I getting by as a human being? But we can talk about that more next next time, Hurricane. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm sure people, hopefully we get, folks, again, uh, it's a great question. If you have any comments, whatever, please shoot them to us. And then uh, we'll uh, continue the discussion. Uh, so again, we are coming to the end of the show here. Um, we will be back with Dr. Heim the last Friday of, uh, I guess, March. Wow. <laughs> Damn, time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> Uh, wow. Hey, listen, it is what it is. But yeah, so definitely, I mean, February is a short month, but, but you know, thank you, doctor, for really, really always being here and, and putting the time with us and answering uh, some re real, these are real questions that we all deal with. Someone in our yeah. surroundings definitely 
Yeah. I don't think yeah. any question that I've heard before in these these two seasons, or I think two seasons already, that that I have not been exposed to, or someone around me hasn't been exposed yeah. to in personal life. So I think we all kind of have a little bit of a link to this. So thank you so much, Doctor, and folks. Thank you so much for being with us, watching. I see a lot of people on the Instagram there. Uh, so yeah, please again do come back for the next show. It will be announced, you know, uh, prior to the show, just to remind everybody. But we look forward to having you back, uh, Doctor, as well as folks. Please do come in chat and uh, do interact with us. Call. Um, you know, I did put the stream yard, so you don't be shy. You can come on and just you, you can even hide. Put a mask on. I don't care. <laughs> but but just join us and ask the question. Uh, yeah. Any any last words, Doctor, before we... Look, we Hurricane, what you said is exactly right. It is all about helping other people, helping us all to stay together, to get through this crazy thing called life together. All right. So thanks. It's well, a great opportunity. Thank you, doctor. So with those words, we're about to just close the show. So we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic in general. And then let's look forward to Dr. Haim coming uh, at the end of March. Bye for now.